in my native land, it's some, sometimes uh, we, we speak about Her Majesty's pleasure. Someone might be appointed to a, a role in the, in the government at Her Majesty's pleasure. In other words, it's an indeterminate time. It's for as long as Her Majesty pleases. Or one might be sentenced to uh, detention for an indeterminate time and the, the judge will hand down the sentence. You are to be held at Her Majesty's pleasure. So in other words, until you hear from the Queen, you're going to be locked up. Well, we have this notion of the pleasure of the Father in the prophecy of Isaiah today. That the Lord was pleased to crush him in infirmity. It was the will and pleasure of the Lord to crush this person whom, to whom Isaiah refers in infirmity. It's the section in the prophecy of Isaiah concerning the, the, the suffering servant who, who is who is fulfilled in Christ. It is Christ about whom the prophecy speaks. He is the one who is to be crushed in infirmity. It's the Father's will and pleasure for the Son. Not because of any sin of his own. We heard in the letters of Hebrews how we, how we have a high priest who understands suffering and has suffered in every way as we have, but without sin. This servant of the Father is not being crushed in infirmity for his sin, but for ours. He is giving his life as an offering for our sins and the sins of, of all the world, so great they are that he's going to be crushed. And we too are called to partake of this suffering and to similarly offer ourselves. St. Teresa of Avila, whose feast we celebrated on, on Friday, said to her Lord, to our Lord, Lord, either I must suffer or I must die. This is, is my call. And in life, as long as we're living, we're going to encounter suffering. That suffering will come to an end when we die. And really, so these are the two alternatives that are there for us. And of course, death is not in our control. It comes at a time uh, that God chooses. Responding to the question that Jesus puts to James and John, can you drink of the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? They respond confidently and daringly, we can. Without knowing really, what that cup or what that baptism meant. It was a risky reply, we can. Uh, like just a blank check, really. Yet I suppose anything to get that place at the right or the left uh, of the Father. And our Lord promised, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. And all the, all the apostles drank that cup for the first time, really, at the Last Supper when our Lord, uh, in sacramental form, gave them the cup of, the, of his blood in anticipation of his shedding of that blood uh, at the cross. So they drank it at the Last Supper. But they all, apart from John, fled from that cup when our Lord was shedding it, not just in sacramental signs, but in, in reality, when he was shedding his blood from the cross. And when he was drinking from that cup himself, they fled. They drank that cup again through their sufferings for the sake of the gospel, 
the persecution they faced in spreading the gospel, through the mortification that they voluntarily undertook. Remember in the uh, letters of St. Paul we hear how he would buffet his body to bring it into subjection so that he could more effectively fulfill the mission entrusted to him and conquer his sinfulness as well. Or through their woundedness. Again, St. Paul speaks about that thorn in the flesh that the Lord would not free him from in order to keep him humble so that he would not be proud. This man who was having great visions, he had to be humbled by that wound in the flesh. Through their martyrdoms, they were giving their lives uh, for Christ. They took up their cross and they followed him. They drank of the cup and they were baptized with Christ's baptism. Can you, can I, drink of the cup of suffering? So often we try to avoid it, or we resent it. We allow ourselves to be crushed by it. We have to be ready to accept suffering and drink the cup of suffering that comes our way. People today are are burdened by untold suffering. Can we also drink their cups with them? Or are we preoccupied just by our cup of suffering? So as to be indifferent to the cups of suffering that others also have to drink. Before I came here to Cottage Grove, as many of you know, I would, on a Sunday afternoon, I would join the urban missionaries in Portland and walk the streets uh, to minister to the homeless. And you see so much suffering. There are many encounters that I had, but one I recall at this time is, is uh, of uh, a lady by the Greyhound station there in Portland, along with many others. It was a hot summer's day, and the stench of the homeless people was in the air. And there were these people just sitting along on the sidewalk, you know, sitting up against a, a fence, among whom was a, was a lady there. And I went over to, to converse with her, and she was in the middle of injecting herself in the arm, you know, shooting up. And when I came to her, she said, Oh, Father, you shouldn't have seen that. I'm so sorry. And I said, It's okay. It's only afterwards I realized that I said, It's okay to a woman who's shooting herself up in the arm. <laughs> but the suffering. And then as I was talking with her, uh, I saw blood coming from her, her, her arm. I said, you're bleeding. And she took a dirty white sock to, to wipe the blood. The poor woman. So much suffering. Here in Cottage Grove, I encountered a man called Robert a few winters ago. It was almost freezing and I was taking a late, late night walk. And there was this man, Robert, simply in a t-shirt. And we, we had a conversation. I said, can I get you anything? He said, I'd love a coffee. And he told me where I could get it for a dollar, just uh, in, the, in the mall there. So I went and got his coffee, and he was, he was as pleased as punch. And uh, next time I met him was just this last summer, in a much sorrier state, outside the library here. Uh, and a um, big wound in his arm. Well, you know, you know what caused that wound. And I said, can I get you a bandage and some 
ointment. He said, sure. Well, I said, will you wait? He said, yes. So I went off and bought some. By the time I come back, he'd gone. I met him a couple of weeks ago. Again, the Safeway. It was pouring with rain. And he said, oh, I'm so sorry I didn't stay around. I said, don't worry. And um, I said, can I get you anything? Would you like some orange juice? I'd love some orange juice. So I had a carton in my cart there and gave it to him. And he was, again, pleased with this man suffering so much. And it's on our doorstep, dear brothers and sisters, here in town. We have people who have so much suffering. I may have told you about Kimberly, who came one Saturday during the summer, pulling two suitcases, backpack on her back, dark glasses so that you couldn't see her, totally confused. Anyway, she made her way around to the rectory, put the two suitcases by the door, relieved herself of the backpack, the dark glasses came off. We could converse. Thanks to St. Vincent de Paul Society, I was able to give her a, a card, a gift card, so she'd get something at McDonald's as she came back. And then we sat down and had coffee and cookies. And we had a nice conversation. And then the time came for, well, what's your plan? She said, well, I'd like to go to this particular place in Cottage Grove. It's night, you know. So I put her suitcases in the car, backpack in the car, in we got. I drove her to the the place where she wanted to go, just by the police station. Got the suitcases out. As soon as I put the burden of the backpack on her back, she was the confused lady again. The dark glasses went on, and we could not have a coherent conversation. See the burden of her suffering. Or Diane, whom I met last week, when I was on vacation there in New Mexico, Arnoldo Padilla was bringing me from, had, had met me at Albuquerque Airport, and we stopped at a gas station halfway there to get some gas. And I said, let's get some hot chocolate. It was late at night. So went into the store there at the gas station to buy some hot chocolate. And I was in the line there to pay for it. And in front of me there was a woman buying a rather amount, a large amount of alcoholic beverage. And she saw me as a priest. And she offered me money. I said, no. She, she offered, she said, she gave it to Arnoldo and he refused. And then I could see that she wanted to give me the money. And she said, I've sinned. So I asked her her name. And I said, I'll pray for you and I'll offer mass for you. But I was humbled by that because her, her, her recognizing me and her giving me that money was an act of faith in the priesthood. She somehow felt that she could be redeemed by confessing her sinfulness and offering me a little bit of money which I didn't need. She knew that she was burdened by her alcoholism and many other things perhaps. But she hoped for a moment of recognition and redemption. Can you drink the cup with those people? Can we drink that cup with them? Would you drink from the same cup? 
In this time of obsession with sanitization, we can't even be neighbors, let alone share the same cup with one another. On the flight back yes, uh, on Friday, the stewardess came down the aisle asking if anyone would like a refill of their drinks. And the person sitting next to me reached out his cup for a refill. And the stewardess was about to take it. And then she was, oh no, I can't take your cup. Even though she was wearing gloves and masks and goggles as well. Can't take your cup. So she had to use another cup. Isn't it ridiculous what, we, what we've come to? Which reminds me, there are people suffering the cup now of losing their jobs because of these unjust vaccine mandates. You can have your opinion about the vaccine, but to mandate it so that people lose their jobs. There are people I know, people in our parish, dear brothers and sisters, who are suffering, drinking the cup of suffering, of losing their jobs because of the vaccine mandate. Can we share one another's suffering and wounds? Unless and until one realizes one's woundedness, one's sinfulness, it's difficult to drink the cup with others. Rather, we protect ourselves from the risk of being hurt. We swear oaths. I'll never talk to that person. I'll steer clear of that person to avoid being hurt. Or we stand in proud judgment they should get a job just like everyone else. They should clean themselves up of that drug addiction. She shouldn't have got pregnant in the first place. I'm reading uh, Les Miserables now because a little bit of it was used on our priest's uh, convocation. And it's a big book, as you may know, so I'm just 10% of the way through it. And the main character there is Jean Valjean, who was a galley slave, punished for stealing a loaf of bread, 19 or 20 years as a galley slave. He stole the silverware from the bishop who had offered him hospitality. And uh, he was arrested and brought back to the bishop's house by the gendarmes. And the bishop said, Jean Valjean, I'm so glad you're back. You forgot the candlesticks. <laughs> so he gives them the candlesticks, these are yours. Release this man, he told the gendarme. And Jean Valjean goes off, but he's still not saved. As he's walking, you know, on his walk, he sees a boy playing with, with some coins. One of the coins falls on the floor and Jean Valjean puts his boot on the coin. The boy begs for the coin. He refuses to lift his boot off the coin. Anyway, he reappears later on. That's not in the movie, by the way, uh, with Liam Neeson. Very good movie if you want to see it. But the next time he appears, he's, an, you know, he's reformed, he's a businessman, he's a mayor. He's giving coins to every boy he sees. A bit like Lazarus, who promises to repay whatever it is, tenfold, twentyfold, whatever, anything he has stolen. Are you suffering, dear brothers and sisters? Let me drink the cup with you. If you 
You know that there are people here suffering. We're all suffering one way or another. Drink one another's cup of suffering. Share it. Were you wounded as a child? So was I. Were you bullied as a child? So was I. Were you told you were no good? I was told that. You know, I was um, uh, refused admission to a secondary school, the local secondary Catholic school. I refused admission for some reason, I'm not sure why. So the head teacher or principal of my primary school said, we'll put him in for the Cardinal Vaughan School, which is one of the top Catholic schools in central London. It involved a 45-minute journey every morning. So my mother goes to the parish priest, Canon Gilliard, to whom I owe my vocation in great measure, and says, Canon, we need another letter of reference to show that we're good Catholics and all that for, oh, which school? Cardinal Vaughan. Mrs. Boyle, John will never get into the Vaughan. Well, I did. I wasn't top of the class, but I did well. So if you've been told you won't, you're no good, don't, don't believe it. Are you suffering because of divorce? Are you suffering because you wished for love or a spouse but couldn't find one? Are you suffering because of a miscarriage or the loss of an infant child or abortion? You're suffering and we, we should drink, we should help one another. Wounded people can wound people but we can also be wounded healers. I hurt you because I'm wounded. You may hurt me as well because you're wounded. But we can all help heal one another as well. You know, I told someone else recently, the only healer who's not wounded is Christ. But that's not true. He was crushed for our infirmities so that we could drink the cup of suffering with him. Rather, he has already drunk that cup, but we need to join him and drink it. In thinking of these thoughts, I thought of our icon of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. We see Jesus' fear at the sight of the instruments of his passion. And we see Mary's melancholy gaze and her supporting arm and her gentle hand to support Jesus and console him. Her gaze is towards us, inviting our compassion for her and her son who is to suffer. She invites our compassion also towards our suffering brothers and sisters. And just as I reached this point in the preparation of my homily, the phone rang, and it was Eric. Eric was in prison for 15 years. I met him in Marquette, Michigan, and he was, he's serving a sentence he, until recently at Marquette, at, at um, Marion, uh, in Marion, in a correction center in Marion, Illinois. He's coming towards the end of his sentence after 10 years, so he's now in a, a less secure sort of house in Detroit, Michigan. He called me up yesterday and we had a conversation. I was telling him, well, about the cup of suffering. So he reminded me about something he told me earlier. How these two apostles, James and John, that we have in the gospel today, are like bookends for the Acts of the Apostles. James was the first of the apostles to be martyred. John was spared bloody martyrdom because he stood at the foot of the cross 
and accepted Mary as his mother. Beautiful reflection from a, someone who's serving a sentence. And Mary also reminds us, my son has already drunk the cup that you are drinking and he has mercy and compassion for you. No matter how deep your wounds, he loves you and desires to heal you. Drink the cup that Christ has already drunk. You will be healed and your wounds will be as glorious as the wounds of Christ were when he rose from the dead.